Hello, and welcome to the Pokeball Podcast. I'm your host, Bellybowl VGC, also known as Tyler. Here with my co-host, Chris, Titan Nexus. Our third host, Sticky, will be out of town this week. We are so excited to talk to you guys today. The DLC released this past Wednesday, and we have so much to go over with you guys. Uh, today, we will also be going over returning Pokemon and moves that were added. Uh, the returning Pokemon who might have a place on like a team. And we will save our comments on the end of the Teal Mask till the end of our discussion today, just for a spoiler warning. Um, we will give another warning before we get to that topic, for those of you that have not played the DLC yet. Uh, so the first thing we're going to really talk about is the moves that were added with the Teal Mask DLC, uh, or rather, the old moves reintroduced. Yeah, so there was quite the few moves introduced, new and returning. Um, should I start with the new moves, Chris, or should I start with like some of the returning moves? Uh, let's talk about the returning moves first. Okay, so returning moves. Um, my list here, starting off, we have moves like Roar, Charge, Haze, Toxic. Toxic being... A pretty big one for VGC. I think a lot of Mons saw strategies that they were used to playing and things like ways that that you know they would approach the board state before being affected by Toxic being moved from their move pool. So it they didn't have the utility that they would before and the bulkiness and you know the utility of being able to stay around as long as they were was kind of taken away by not having Toxic. So that being brought back was interesting to see if it plays a hand in the meta very much. You know, it will see over the next few weeks. I don't think so. Um, we have moves like Sand Tomb, Spite, Gravity, Smackdown, Knockoff, Bug Bite, Super Fang, Vacuum Wave, Lunge, High Horsepower, Icicle Spear, Scald. Scald is a huge one. Um... High horsepower I like a lot too, but I think that there's a lot of moves that have been introduced outside of hor high horsepower. Um, but it's not like, you know, the most influential returning move that we'll see. Scald is a huge one. Yeah, Scald is a uh, huge one. Yeah, we, I mean, we all know a water move with the, the chance to burn your opponent is just very critical. It gives water Pokemon sustain and more defensive capabilities being able to, you know really really hurt some of these offensive physical mons that we see uh, other moves being heat crash solar blade uproar focus punch weather ball grassy glide that's a huge one i know there's been a they huge did stir nerf it though so it's community. not as good as it was before but it's still like it's a priority grass move that hits really good yeah and i i think a lot of players will underestimate you know the, the utility of having a priority grass move with Ogre Pond and all these new tools that we have right now, I think that Grassy Glide will kind of be overlooked as to where, like, you know, you do have to keep that in in your thoughts and on the back burner. When you see a Rillaboom that, you know, it does have priority grass now and can really threaten some of your bulkier water defensive mons. Yeah, I want to uh, go back jealousy. and talk about uh, Vacuum Wave. 
like that's such an interesting move for them to bring back as a TM because uh, that's a priority fighting move. So that's a really good addition and knockoff back. Tyranitar could now know knockoff. If it weren't for Urshifu, I feel like, and Ogre Pond, I feel like we would be seeing a lot more of Tyranitar. If we get like a more restricted format for some reason in, uh, coming up, we could actually see Titar coming back a lot more because that's a huge stab move that he'd have. Not just Titar either. I think there's other Mons that really benefit from this. Uh, Mons like Roaring Moon, who we know really had a run through Worlds and all of the regulations in the beginning of, you know, Scarlet and Violet. And now we're seeing as Reg E comes along, there's all these very strong Grass-type Pokemon. So I think Roaring Moon, you know, having access to no Knockoff now... Also having Flying Stab against, you know, a very grass-heavy meta, Amoongus, Ogre Pond. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, some drag. of these Mons are... Yeah, they're seeing uh, Tyranitar too. I mean, Tyranitar is another one being a weather setter. When we're seeing a lot of hyper-offensive weather teams, we know that Tyranitar is really good to balance that out. There was one more move you mentioned that I really wanted to bring up, and I was uh, Scald again. Um, and Polion doesn't get Scald, and that really disappointed me. <laughs> I, I was really hoping to use Scald on Empoleon. Yeah, there was a lot of Pokemon that didn't get Scald that did in the past that I thought would get it in this generation, and they didn't, so that's a little upsetting. Um yeah, I do think, though, that the Empoleon, yeah, Iron Bundle, Politoed, um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of really oppressive water type Pokemon that I think could have benefited from it. But my issue with that is, too, is like if these mon Mons could have got that, I think it it's a little bit too much. Like some of these Mons already have way too many tools and assets in their favor to be given Scald on top of it. I think physical mons are already facing a lot of, you know, intimidate users and, like, defiant users and really interesting mons and ways around, like, you know, that very physical threat. So I do think that there, you know, probably is some reasoning and balance behind that in a way, but it, it does hurt to see that some of our favorites lost access to Scald. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of these new moves. Yeah, so the new ones are pretty wild. Uh, I'll start off, and I'll go ahead and cover one of my favorites, uh, Matcha Gotcha. Uh, grass type, 80 base power, 90 accuracy. Uh, this is the signature move of... Titan, remind Sinistia. me the name, I'll edit this out. <laughs> Sinistia, I didn't want to say it wrong either. This is Matcha Gotcha is the signature move of Sinistia. Grass type move with 80 base power, 90 accuracy. The user fires a blast of tea that it mixed. The user's HP is restored by up to half the damage taken by the target. This may also leave the target with a burn. That's a this move thing. is learned by yeah. It it's really wild. It's it's interesting that it has so much utility, and I think they balanced it slightly by giving it 90 accuracy, which I still think is, like, really good accuracy 
for you know what it's worth. It needed that balance, honestly, because yeah, I, I saw it being once able to on burn, and it just. <laughs> It's already such a bulky Pokemon, so to get that recovery back, too. Yeah, and that's something, too, I think people and players in VGC will have to explore is... Is it a Pokemon and move that is viable in VGC and can find its use? I think so. I think that it's a bulky enough Mon with a move like this like you said getting recovery that it is very it has a lot of utility and it has the you know potential to be bulky enough to get nasty plots off and then hit a move that also gives you recovery and doing really strong damage it's it's interesting to see in the typing too being matched up well into amoongus yeah you know you have a mon now that can threaten amoongus and really wall it and do damage back into amoongus is something that is really fun to see, you know. Now, you're not locked to really running that one grass type that we've seen so consistently through the years. There are, you know, are multiple users, not grass type users that are bulky and good, you know, utility support mons. I, you know, that being said, I'll let you cover one of the next moves that goes along with one of those mons. Are you talking about uh, Blood Moon? Yeah, that or Ivy. Oh, the Ivy uh, Cudgel. So it's a move signature to Ogre Pond. Uh, it hits Stab basically with whatever uh, type Ogre Pond is. So if you do the, if you wear the Fire, uh, Water, Rock mask, it's gonna change to each of those types. And if you're just the regular one, uh, then it's gonna hit with a Grass Double Stab Grass, which it's such a powerful move. I've seen people using it in combination with Tian Pao to just like Oko Mons. And it, it's. Ogre Pawn is definitely going to be like meta. Like, hands down, if it's unregulation Yeah, it definitely is. It's something that, that, like you said, that move having the, you know, potential chance to land crits. And being so powerful is just, it's really wild. And on a mon that has great base stats already, it's very threatening. Next to Chin Pao, it's even scarier. So it's very meta defining, I think. Um, moving into another grass type Pokemon uh, move that we have here from the Pokemon Diplin, uh, we have Syrup Bomb, a grass type move with 60 base power and 85% accuracy. The user sets off an explosion of sticky candy syrup. This coasts the target and causes the target's speed stat to drop each turn for three turns. This is a move learned by Diplin. I, I love Diplin. I think there's so much potential there like for like a niche team pick. Um, I still haven't really tried him out yet. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to put with him so that I can utilize him best. Uh, but I, I see so much potential for him. Uh, especially considering it's been proven you can put Eviolite on it. Uh, so that's going to make him insanely bulky. Yes, yeah. So slight spoiler warning here. Uh, just you know, a little context on what Titan's talking about. Uh, Diplin, with the flavor text in the Pokedex that was added in, we know now that Diplin has an evolution beyond the Pokemon that was introduced in the Kitakami region. It's 
the evolution can only happen from an apple that's obtained from a specific place. So Eviolite does work on Diplin and you get the Eviolite boost from it because of it having this extra evolution. Yeah, the extra evolution's already basically coded into the game, which is why it works. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, on to Titan, you want to cover Blood Moon? Uh, I'm not entirely 100% sure what it does. <laughs> um, yeah, so Blood Moon. I know it's a signature Moon. move of Blood Moon Ursaluna. Um, and it's really strong and it cuts through Mons like butter. Yeah. The all, the only text that we really have, like flavor text and what we know about the move is, is that it's a normal type move, 140 base power, 100 accuracy. The user unleashes the full brunt, its spirit form, a full moon that shines as red as blood. This move can't be used twice in a row. This is a move that can be learned by Blood Moon Ursulunum. And it's crazy that they introduced such a powerful move. Like, Tinkaton has its Gigaton Hammer, which has basically the same, um, but it doesn't have the best attack stat. So it's like, it, it, it barely, like, can Oko certain even Mons that it does stab against. Um, but with this Mon, he has such a high already, like, special attack. And then for this move as well, like, it's just, he's gonna be... He's such a strong Pokemon to have on a team, basically. Like, you can't go wrong with having Blood Moon Ursaluna on your team. Yeah, no, it's... I'm really excited to see how it's utilized on Trick Room teams and, like, if if Trick Room teams, if it's a Mon that, you know, everyone figures out the speed tier and how to utilize that. Uh, well, I'll go ahead I and think... give a quick little plug, then. Uh, go check out Okay, sports video. Uh, they host one with Blood Moon Ursaluna. Uh, my Blood Moon Ursaluna video is dropping on the 25th while I'm on vacation. <laughs> so make sure to check that out too. And uh, go check out uh, Bruno's video as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, uh, Bruno did uh, some really good videos over there. I recently played a team in the Monday Funday last week. Uh, it was a team that Bruno... Uh, gave to me it was a belly bolt team like a stall team that bruno and david katesh had worked on together so really fun team definitely check all them out uh so he moving on friends on uh, pokemon sleep now we've reached level three heck yeah that's awesome so moving on now to discuss a little bit further the dlc so just a further spoiler warning if you haven't finished the dlc we will talk further now about story plot cities soundtracks pokemon things that you may not want spoiled so if you haven't played yet now's the time to leave um so finish starting the DLC, off then come on. <laughs> yeah 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 finish the dlc and then come back and listen to the episode after that so starting off i you know i would just like to say I, the teal mass dlc was probably some of my favorite pokemon since Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. And that's those were like really fun 
remakes for me being some of my like introdu- introductory games to Pokemon. So the Kitakami region really gave me Johto vibes and the soundtrack in just like the overall graphics and the way that the cities were portrayed and like the feeling that you got walking around in the region to me was like uh, great. You know, I liked it. There were frame drops at times and there were, you know, some glitches here and there. I did have a weird glitch where I left the island to fly back to Paldea. Um, and I did search to see if I was able to do that. So I flew back to Paldea. And when I flew back to Paldea, it actually just bricked my switch and turned my whole switch just powered off, went dead, and wouldn't come back on. And I had to like power cycle my switch and like hold the power button down for 20 seconds to get it to come back on. And it like wouldn't power on regularly. Even with like the battery being charged for an hour, it still wouldn't come on. So I was like really worried. Um, so like, you know, I did experience my like woes with it, but after like turning, getting my switch back on and like everything working just fine, the game loading back up, I, you know, flew back to the Kitakami region and everything was fine. And I loved the, you know, the textures changes to the game that they made in like some of the like wood and ground textures all the Pokemon that they introduced and some of the, I don't know if they were like, you know, playing at like future games that were coming out or like paying homage to the Johto region and the Kitakami region being, you know, close to the Johto region. But it really did make me feel, you know, nostalgic and like I was playing an older Pokemon game. Yeah, it felt like a traditional, like old Japanese, like culture game, basically. Um, I I loved everything about the game uh the dlc was so amazing it did have the frame the frame drops and everything um but a lot of the graphics it felt were like next level compared to uh back to regular scarlet and violet almost um and then some of the stuff they were doing with like the cut se- interactive cut scenes and stuff like that um that was that was pretty amazing of them honestly. And then there was one other big thing I wanted to talk about. The uh, the whole island itself or area itself, it feels it looks kind of small, but it's actually relatively pretty big. Just going around uh on our live on my live stream and trying to catch all the pokemon itself took me almost like 3 to 4 hours just trying to catch uh, the Pokemon that I didn't already have in the game. Yeah, and that's that's something too that like I you know I kind of looked at it and I was like, man, this is a really small map, and I you know I felt like weird at first, kind of like let down that there wasn't a ton to it. But then after running around and like kind of seeing the depth of like, I think something two players forget is to like try to interact. Um, I, I try to go into buildings a lot, and unfortunately we couldn't go into any buildings in the Kitakami region, and that was something that was a little let down. Like besides like the cum- community center, um, so that was something that kind of was weird. But I did like talking to like all the citizens in the Kitakami region, and that was something too that I think players may have overlooked was that there were some quests and things like within catching the Pokemon in that region. There were actual little quests that were involved with like the townspeople and things that were going on in the cities. 
and it, it revolved around catching those Pokemon and then, you know, bringing them back, showing them to people or, you know, whatever it was. But that little bit, little bit of like life, you know, that came to the Kitakami region was something that to me, it, it really felt like, even though it was such a small island and like you couldn't see beyond it very far and like, you know, a lot of times I forgot that I was playing a video game. I felt like I was in a new region and I felt like I was in those little villages. And it's wild to me that like, you know, with the hardware limitations, what they were able to do with the Switch and with the DLC. Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful game. Uh, and then uh, they added in such a fun little mini game that made gardening kind of fun. The Ogre Austin, where you go and you collect all the uh, little balloons and everything and bring them back and bring them back. Yeah. That is so yeah. addictive. That is so and so yeah, much it is fun. pretty fun. So, much fun. so many uh, of the uh, like vitamins, basically, for doing that. And it, we spent a few hours, me and some of the uh, guys in the server, like just going through and trying to beat hard mode because it is so tough. And it's been rare to have such a difficult thing to do on a Pokemon game. So that was like a breath of fresh air. Like we couldn't beat it with four of us. Like. I mean, we could probably go back now, but I've seen other people saying, yeah, we had, it took us like five or six tries on hard mode with four p good people to like figure it out and like actually beat it. So that's like a breath of fresh air to me. Yeah, it definitely is like the challenge in a Pokemon game. It, it's interesting too that like, I, I'm glad that they did as high, high of a reward that they did for it because, you know, it does consume time doing stuff like that. It, it is fun. So it's something that it is fun to do with your friends and get in a party and do, and then you're getting rewarded for VGC players. And that's something we've not seen for a while. It's been very mundane getting our teams ready. Uh, there were past generations of games where they turned EV training into little mini games like that. Uh, it's just, you know, it was still very time consuming and like drawn out as to where I think they've kind of sped it up with this to a point where like, EV training mons is very quick now and like I you know I'm a person who's had my fair share of complaints in the past but like seeing the mochis in game and how quickly you can achieve them and the like the reset mochis that is a blessing that I you know I love TPC for that honestly like yeah whoever's idea that was thank you because the berries before was a nightmare and probably the worst thing ever yeah, it really was, and them adding those fresh starts. Oh, that—that's honestly so. I, I love whoever did that. You deserve a hug. <laughs> uh, but that brings up some. That also brought back something else I wanted to talk about, um, which was the trainers. The trainers in the DLC were actually like the uh, ogre clan trainers that you go and fight. They weren't actually a challenge. If you picked up Mons from that region and you were trying to use them, I still kept like one or two EV Pokemon that were competitively trained. And even I was having such a hard time against some of those trainers. Uh, just ha And I was like, this is actually, they're actually like hard to beat. Like I actually have to sit here and focus on beating a, ra a random Pokemon trainer. <laughs> yeah, that and that was something too... I don't know, you know, if you've played through the DLC and, you know, you felt like, man, I just blew through this. There, It wasn't a challenge or like, you know, what Pokemon games these days are, you know, it's not fun anymore and there's not there's nothing to it. 
go to the Kitakami region and restart the DLC. Uh, you know, do a new playthrough, whatever you have to do. Start the DLC. Don't play with any mons from the Paldean region. Only play with Pokemon that you catch in the Kitakami region and try to get through the trainer battles and try to get through the battles with Kirin and with Car- Carmine. Yeah. <laughs> try to get through the battles with Kirin and Carmine. They're incredibly challenging. I had to play through the DLC twice, unfortunately, due to a mistake of my own. I bumped my micro SD card and, you know, reset one of my playthroughs. So, on my second playthrough, I made the attempt of only playing with mons that I had got in the Kitakami region. And I was trying to do this quickly because I had already done it once the day prior. So I'm playing through, and I realized very quickly there was no way that I could do it quickly or easy because, for one, the amount of training that I had to do to get my mons to evolve to get to the forms where they were strong enough to win these battles because in their first evolutions, they weren't strong enough. So I had to go out and get in battles, and then the XP difference of these mons and getting them up that one level with who I was battling, you know, you're getting XP from first evolutions on those first two routes. So it was, you know, kind of a challenge trying to beat those first few battles with only mons that I had attained, you know, a Yan Mega, a Poochiana, and who else was it? Ariados. Like Swaddle? Ariados. Yeah, Ariados or Swaddle. Like, you're literally, those are grass mons. They're all weak to flying. Yan Mega comes out using Air Slash. You drop to that. Your whole team falls to that. So it's, it's really challenging, you know. You have to find ways to, like, you Terra in the right positions to get through it. And that's something, you know, if you're looking for that challenge, like, go back and Nuzlocke the Kitakami region. It, that is a challenge. It is very hard. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so the next topic of discussion is going to be the returning mods that we've seen on ladders so far. Uh, mostly on casual. I've been playing casual ladder to utilize some of these mods myself. Um, but just some of the niche little picks that I've seen. Uh, so I ran into an Ampipom with Terra Normal Last Resort. And yeah, it hits like a, it actually hit like a truck. I was thoroughly surprised with how how hard that hit. Yeah, that's wild. That sounds not similar to, but like a, a strategy that's caught me off guard on ladder um, with an old returning mon, Snorlax. Uh, a normal move. Not last resort, but uh, body slam. I got hit with a body slam after a belly drum. So the strategy was uh, like Cresselia trick room lunar blessing so you would just like first turn belly drum lunar blessing get your recovery you get your berry you know you have gluttony too so you're getting your berry multiple times on top of lunar blessing next to you snorlax is i don't want to say undefeatable it's a monster you have to focus it so hard and have a very precise plan on like how to deal with it that like it will be a team that i think i don't know if it's vgc meta defining but it will be a team that like you're you better have an answer for that on your team in these first few weeks of the regulation because I think that you're going to see that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, another one that's been popping up uh, is Galarian wheezing and regular wheezing having that neutralizing gas. Um, I've seen it being used to negate their own allies' like abilities to help them set up better 
Uh, so one of the strategies I saw was negating truant on like slacking uh, so that it doesn't have to take a turn of rest. And slacking hits already like really hard. Um, and then I saw another one on that's a plus one's uh, side spam team that I'm featuring in a video soon is it negates levitate on Azelf so that Azelf can hit expanding force. So for people who don't know, if you have a floating Pokemon like Azelf with Levitate, it can only single target expanding force, even in psychic terrain. But with if it's down on the ground and Levitate is negated, then it can double expanding force. So it negates you send in Galarian Weezing or Weezing, negate the levitate so that your Azelf is on the ground and then you can expanding force and it hits harder, a lot harder than uh, Armor Rouge. That, that, that sounds really strong. That's something the Psy Spam. Psychic in general was a type that I was kind of thinking may pick up in Regulation E. And then seeing some of these archetypes now, it, you know, I I really do think that Psychic is probably coming back a little bit stronger than I expected. Um, how how do you feel about some of the new weather setters? Do you think that there are any weather setters that are going to make a big impact? Um, I've already seen a lot of Politoed setting up rain uh, now for teams and having like that Ludicolo with them and stuff, uh, which having a fast like Mon that can hit grass too. Uh, like we talked about earlier with Grassy Glide, that's just like, that's so good right now in the format. Um, and then I've seen a lot of Alolan Ninetales teams. Uh, just Alolan, not even with other like mons that thrive in like the snow, but more so just so it can go out first and set up uh, Aurora Veil for its, uh, to support its mons in the back. Like, and that's been so good, honestly. Yeah, that's something I've been I've been flirting with the idea of playing with Alolan Ninetales, but my issue is like learning to use it correctly right now in this volatile format where there's a lot of hyper offense that can like really blow that Ninetales up. I think it's a mon that may still rely slightly on a Focus Sash if it wants to do what it needs to. And like even with Aurora Veil, I think like I mean EV'd correctly maybe, but like you're losing a lot of the damage that you need. So I'm excited to kind of test with it and play see if it's like a pathway thing and pivoting to set up aurora veil and snow if you know to work it out correctly or if it's like getting the right synergies of mons with it but it i'm really excited for alola nine tails also polytoed it's a mon that like you know i'll be playing it tonight actually so i'm excited to see how that turns out yeah and you already mentioned like a uh, snorlax earlier that's such a big one uh komomo komomo oh <laughs> uh try to say that three times fast uh with throat spray is just so good because you can color just soul and if you take that first hit you get that omni boost and then you get a plus one extra for the throat spray and yeah he just unless they have like a flutter main or something you're cutting through pretty much anything well, I think that covers a lot of the really strong like things that I've seen in the first week, you know, on top of like obviously Ogre Pond, 
get yeah. ready for that everywhere. All three forms of it. It's on every team. You know, it's the Swiss, as Squish says, Squishy Squashy, uh, it's a Swiss army knife of Pokemon. It really so is. Yeah. that's something, you know, it's on every team. So be ready for that if you're a VGC player and be ready to adjust and adapt. Um, ending our segment here, I, you know, with Sticky gone, Titan, I do want to kind of like, you know, talk on some of the things that Sticky has been working on and really excited for. Uh, some of the segments that he has been looking forward to doing is like spotlighting players, you know, whether they are no-name players that we've never seen win a tour before, or if it's someone, you know, a player that we've seen win six tours. Uh, he really likes doing interviews and spotlighting those players and tours. So we will be putting in some interviews that Sticky did back in July at NAIC with some up-and-coming players, as well as splicing in some interviews that Titan got while at the Pittsburgh 2024 Regional Championship to cover some of this new season and how it's going so far for some really top-level players. Uh, it's an interview that I've been really excited to share with everyone. Uh, Titan, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Uh, so I got an interview. He played against Brian uh, Chuppa. Yeah, so that was, it was a big one. I literally, like, he sat down across from Brian said, oh, I'm facing Chuppa. And I was like, I'm going with you. <laughs> and I walked right up behind him and everything, and Brian sat down. They talked for a minute, and then I was like, hey, Chuppa, Titan, uh, Chris, friend uh, with Bellyvolt VGC, and he immediately remembered who you were from, like, coaching sessions and stuff. And I was like, hey, he really wanted me to get an interview, quick little interview with you for our channel would you be down? And of course he was happy to oblige. And as soon as him and his match with Brian were over, uh, which was a, an insane match to watch. I was standing like off to the side. Luckily they were like right there and I could like peek over a little bit and Oh my gosh, it was such an insane uh, three game set between the two of them. Like there was points where I was watching and I was like, Oh uh, yeah, Brian has this. And then Chuppa would like, counter it and i'd be like no he doesn't and then brian would counter him and i was like yeah he does it, it, it just kept going back and forth like they were just reading each other's plays and doing so well it was such an insane set uh but yeah his interview is going to be uh following this uh the last thing uh we really want to touch on and say is uh we found out today that eduardo Junior won uh the barcelona special and we want to say a huge congratulations to the 2022 uh, world champion for pulling off a win on uh, the first uh, huge uh, European event of the season. Like, that's a huge accomplishment. He's already secured his uh, world's invite, the second person, basically, to secure their world's invite. And it's our uh, former world champion. Uh, congratulations, Eduardo. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Pokevolt podcast. We appreciate all your support. Like usual, if you're interested in being on the podcast, whether it be an interview with Sticky or as an, a special guest here for the entire episode, email us at pokevoltclub at gmail.com. Thank you to our Patreon supporters and anyone who has bought merch to support us through Season 1. And we're really excited to continue Season 2. Titan, thanks for being on today and look forward to having Sticky back next week. Hi, everybody. We're here from the Pokeball Club podcast here at NAIC. 
This is our guy Tavo right here, Tavo VGC. Hi, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're interviewing players here, just trying to figure out um, how their NIC was going. How'd your NIC go to? Um, I think it went well for my first uh, tournament ever, like uh, for uh, regional. Um, I, I've never been to a regional, and um, I guess this is an international, so it's different. But uh, this, yeah, this was my first one. Um, going in, I honestly didn't really expect to do well. Um, but I ended up actually going positive, so that surprised myself. That's, that's huge. It was um, a lot of a lot of great players out here today. Yeah, it really was, and um, I think just seeing how many good players like went like as like the same record as me uh, kind of filled me up with hope. It's like, hey, I can I can kind of hang with the big dogs, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. for sure, for sure. Well, now that regulation C is over, going into regulation D, how do you feel? Urshifu. <laughs> that's all you got to say, right? That's yeah. all you have to say, right? No, yeah. Urshi, I mean, Urshifu is broken for a reason, but I think as I think um, there's going to be more variety, of course, uh, the longer that the format goes on. I be, I think we're going to see um, hey, where, where we see the moon is. Hey, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, we're going to see it. Yeah, and um, I, there's been a lot of really good, um, like saucy um, teams from uh, players. I think I saw somebody was like running Bruxish, um, and other other people have made uh, like um, fringe. Uh, type Pokemon work like Cleavor, and so I think that Regulation D, even though there's a lot of power in it with like the genies, um, the like the Pokemon Home stuff and the ru uh, the ruins, um, there's 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 still space in the meta for for unique things. So I'm going to be really excited to see what people come up with and what what can flourish and what you know what gets tossed aside. Awesome, awesome. Well, wrapping up NAIC, is there any moments that you'd like to share? Was there anything special from NAIC that you'd like to share, or just the whole season in general? Um, I don't know. None that really come to mind. Um, just... I do. I do know you placed like third in like back to back locals. Oh man. yeah, pretty, locals. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a local, but that's pretty huge. Yeah, man. that's pretty huge. Yeah, especially considering I didn't know how stacked uh, the Houston locals would be like Loki. Yeah, like yeah, we like had top, uh, top eight and top sixteen Fresno there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, top, yeah, top eight Hartford was also there. Yeah. And there's a couple players that were here too that day two that were at the locals yeah. that we went to. So like. I mean, just to be able to like be like in their presence, kind of like, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for stopping to talk to us. Yeah, it's great. Course. It's great. You know, I love thank always you. talking to you. Yeah. Titan Nexus here with Chuppa Cross. Chuppa, how are you doing so far in the Pittsburgh tournament? I'm off to a toe. Sorry, I've had some really close games, but I've come out on top of both of them. You've been consecutively like just a strong player at these tournaments. Uh, how are you feeling after Worlds this year going into a new season? Yeah, Worlds um, definitely knocked my confidence down a little bit in terms of Regulation D just because it wasn't my strongest tournament of the season. But overall, like, kind of just excited to get back into the swing of things, just see what I can accomplish. Um, you know, I really do love the current generation. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Is there any Pokemon coming out in the DLC that you're super excited to play with again? Oh, that's a good question. I think Alolan Ninehills is one of them. I really love using it back in VGC 2017 when it was like one of the um, metagame Pokemon just uh, setting up Auroraville was very good then. And I think, I don't know if it's going to be quite as strong now, but it's definitely like going to be a bit of a buff to some archetypes. I agree, I agree. Well, I thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you yeah. so much.